Welcome to Flow with Arman Asadi. Welcome, welcome, my beautiful people. I have an exceptional conversation to share with you today because I have an exceptional guest in the virtual house, the one and only, the wise and brilliant John Asaroff. Yes, that John Asaroff, the founder and CEO of Neurogym, the New York Times bestselling author, and your favorite guy from the movie The Secret, the consciousness-shifting movie that changed the world forever. John is someone that I am very, very lucky to know and call a friend, and also truly a mentor, someone that I've learned so much from, from both near and far through his work, but also through the conversations we had. And so I thought with everything going on, what better than to have a catch up with John and dive deep into some of my favorite topics and his favorite topics and really sit down and learn about perspective and understand who we really are and how to find calm through the storm. This is a very deep discussion. This is a very sobering time in all of our lives. And John has just such a beautiful perspective to share. And so I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with you. And I feel so uplifted and inspired after having had this conversation. As I said, we dive deep into some really fun topics. We go right into really the state of the world today. Um, We go into really understanding what we're facing here as a species and as individuals and that balance of wanting individual freedom, but also having moral and social uh, obligations and responsibilities to the people around us. And how does one actually manage that? And there's so much wisdom in John's approach to these topics that just really left me uh, with a sense of awe. And speaking of awe, man, this guy, John, you just have such a incredible, beautiful perspective to share. And that ability to just step outside of the personal identification with our lives and the problems that we individually face and maintain that macro level awareness is such a gift, um, which really led us also to talking about surrender in this conversation as an important pillar of life and an important seat and position to operate from. And I couldn't help it, but toward the end, I brought up uh, financial freedom and really wanted to understand how John approaches that concept, which of course he over-fucking-delivered on, and uh, how he personally invests and what he's currently doing with his money and investments today. That part was really, really interesting as well. So there's a lot in this conversation. I'm really excited to share it with you. So kick back and enjoy. Go for that jog, plop plop a squat in your favorite chair, whatever it is you do when you listen to podcasts. And make sure to let me know what you think as you're listening along. I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to know what your favorite segments of this episode are, what you want more of. Just shoot me a text directly at 619-825-2595. This is the best way to get in touch with me directly. I would say pretty much the fastest way to get in touch with me. Instagram direct messages are up there as well, but text goes right to my phone. And uh, I'd love to chat with you and hear what you think about the episode. 
Also, uh, this service that I use in order to do the texting, people are asking me about it more and more because this is what I'm doing. I'm telling people text me all the time. So the service that I use for those of you that are curious is called Superphone. Uh, Community is another company that I've talked to uh, so far based on the feature set. I really prefer Superphone. I think it's way more user friendly and they're further ahead in terms of what they offer uh, plus I, you know, community only reaches out to certain people. I had a conversation with them, but it's not something that everybody can sign up for. So I wanted to use the one that I can really not just use, but also, uh, test as a resource for others. Superphone is something that anybody can sign up for. And it's not just for influencers or people, you know, with a huge audience, it really is the new email. And that's the way that I would view it. So whether you're a freelancer or consultant or entrepreneur, or you have your own company, you know, building that text message list is super, super important. Um, if you want more information about Superphone, just text me hashtag Superphone at that number that I mentioned, and uh, it'll automatically send you a special link to get access to this awesome service. I highly, highly recommend it. This is not paid. Um, this is just a service that I absolutely love and want to share with you. So with that said, without further ado, the wise, the brilliant, the hilarious John Asaroff. Thanks for making the time, John. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, the last time we talked, I remember we kind of had that one-on-one -on -one at that mastermind. And I, I, I just am fascinated by the way your mind works. Um, I, I just loved our conversations around neuroscience. And, uh, you know, you said one thing to me about values that I, I want to bring up too, that, that actually like really shifted something for me, even though the word values comes up a thousand times in life, but it was just the way that you talked about your journey of, you know, <laughs> having been obsessed with work and so many things. But I guess I'm just curious to start off, like, what, what's been on your mind lately? You know, what have, where have you been focused with everything going on? Uh, great question. I've been doing a lot of reflecting on that. Um, in the last several months, I've been self-quarantined um, since March, sometime in March, early March, one of the early, early uh, people to quarantine. And um, I did a lot of research on the coronavirus early, just to understand. I just, you know, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the uh, impact of it, the how uh, viral it was going to be, how deadly it was going to be. And so I've just been very, very cautious. And um, so I've been highly focused on my own health and immunity and well-being and my wife's, you know, as we talked earlier, my wife major surgeries last year. So her immune system was low. Um, my mother-in-law, who's 80, um, is vulnerable as well. So we've just been hyper, hyper cautious. And um, uh, so we've been practicing social distancing and just trying to understand, you know, everything changed. You know, everything changed very, very quickly. And um, so I've been hyper aware of people's um, fear. I've been hyper aware of people's uncertainty. I've been hyper aware, uh, you know, with the, uh, you know, 40 plus million jobs lost, um, you know, a hundred countries have applied for international monetary funding. Um, millions of people won't be able to make their rent payment in, you know, in summer and fall months. Restaurants closed, airlines shattered, cruise, you know, industries as a whole have been decimated. 
Um, and so I've been trying to figure out what's the the impact on all of this, you know, on, on people's health, psyche, well-being, and how serious is this? And um, and uh, it's it's extremely serious. And so a lot of the focus for me is to really understand the cognitive biases that's happening right now. Um, and since you know I'm very into the brain research and understanding how we think, why we think, why we don't, um, cognitive laziness, our desire to go beneath the level of our comfort zone uh, to look for facts versus opinions. Um, uh, I haven't shared this with many people, but I'll share with you since we're friends, is um, six weeks ago, my mother was diagnosed with coronavirus, and six days later, she died. Um, So... Thank you. I know that's why, you know, you asked me what's on my mind and I'm letting you know on my heart. And, um, you know, my mother was uh, quarantined in a retirement home and 145 people in her facility got the coronavirus and 50 of them died. 50 out of 145. So, what I'm very aware of right now is, you know, people wanting their uh, religious freedom, their personal freedom, their desire to, to live life. Um, and what I'm also quite aware of is how many people are not as concerned as I would love them to be about the implications of selfishness. Right. And so I'm fully fine with people saying, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to take precautions. I'm okay with that. But not at the expense of infecting somebody else that die. That's all. So if you want to do that, that's great. Um, but then protect the people who are more cautious or need uh, help. And, uh, and, you know, there are, there's a group of our society that either A, can't take care of themselves, they need help, they're extremely vulnerable, and, and we know that it's mostly the 70 and older group, if they have diabetes, if they have heart conditions, if they have lung conditions, they are the most susceptible to dying. If they have diabetes, they have a, um, a 10 time greater chance, actually 12 time greater chance of dying if they get it, and they're in their you know, 70 or more. Uh, if you're in your 50s or 60s, it can still affect you. So, so my question, you know, I'm pondering is how do we protect those people? Uh, and I know they're going to die. Like, listen, I knew my mother's going to die. She's 87, but she was able to walk on her own, feed herself, do physiotherapy, do exercise every day. So I knew she was going to die, and I'm okay with that. But she didn't need to die right now because of this. that's all. So um, how do we balance this personal freedom with social and moral responsibility? That's all. So, um, you know, and then, you know, then we have Black Lives Matter. Now we, we have all of these um, converging uh, responsibilities, um, you know, a recession, a Black Lives Matter, um, um, you know, coronavirus, massive jobs and, you know, businesses being affected. Extremely sobering time. It's not a time that we can be asleep at the wheel in, in any 
way whatsoever, it seems. Yeah, I mean, being, um, you know, ignorant and, and uh, mentally lazy to think through this, to feel feelings that you may not want to feel um, is really an opportunity for us to become more, more aware, more uh, caring, uh, more giving, more loving, more empathetic, more compassionate um, to each other because we, we are in this together, whether we like it or not. You know, when I breathe in, I'm breathing a bit of you in me. When I breathe out, you're breathing a bit of me into you. And as much as you can't see it, we know that that's what's happening. You know, my actions, what I do and what I don't do, do matter. I mean, it, it, it does matter. And, um, and so a lot of that, that's, that's been my reflections for the last, you know, four months and asking how can I be in a state of, um, of awareness and sharing um, without judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that we all are probably to some degree, every person is asking themselves that question if they have raised themselves to the point where they have the self-awareness to even ask that that question of beyond themselves, what is going on here. And I know it's not necessarily your arena, but I'm curious if you have, you know, you mentioned something really important, this concept of you know, the responsibility, the freedom that we desire mm -hmm. in balance with the responsibility to, to others, uh, the society around us. Do you have any thoughts on policy when it comes to things like this? I'm curious if you've spent time thinking about that or if you even. Well, I have. And, um, you know, if, if, if you think about, you know, why do we have speed limits on the highway? Why don't we just say to people, drive as fast as you want? Right? Why do we have a limit for the amount of alcohol, you know, that is safe to consume? You know, why do we have, you know, certain limits? Um, you know, if you want to drink and get shit-faced at home, nobody gives a shit as long as you're not right. belligerent to your neighbors. But if you're going to be in public where you could negatively affect other people, we have some, some um, respectful guidances, right? And if you mm -hmm. don't meet those respectfully thought of guidances because we have proven that they are very damaging if you don't abide by them mm -hmm. for yourself maybe but to others more um i think we should you know when when we have you know socially and morally responsible guidance laws whatever we want to call them um then i think there has to be consequences and so if you don't want to wear a mask mm -hmm. at home for example Great, don't wear one. I don't wear one at home. Um, but as soon as I'm in a public area uh, where other people are in close proximity to me, I think mm -hmm. it's morally and socially responsible for me to take care of other people. And it would be appreciated if they decided to take care of me also. So we had each other's back. Um, and um, so how do we do that? Like, how do we do that? How do we respect our own wants and needs and freedoms and desires and respect that of others? That's all. You know, you know what the problem is that as far as I can tell, the issue often comes down to empathy. The moment that a person has personally experienced 
the issue and the trauma, their mind completely shifts. For example, I, I remember the first time in my life when I really experienced someone close to me becoming ill. My, my mom got cancer. Ooh. And I all of a sudden was on such a heightened level of awareness yeah. of pain that existed in the world. It was almost like it was not there quite tangibly before. And then all of a sudden my eyes opened to it and I could see it and touch it and feel it and grab it. And then next thing I know, I'm, I'm talking to the fucking, you know, grocer and they tell me their mother's ill or something. And, and, and my heart just breaks, That's you know, and I'm like, oh, I, 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 I'm so sorry. You know, is she, okay? what's going on? You know, it's just, and that, experience once we go through it after it builds empathy and our compassion increases then maybe people will give a shit about a policy beyond their own individual freedom you know the way people respond sometimes is as if this is an attack on them right and 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 that's their belief system you know you you talk about you know empathy and compassion so in the weeks for example leading to my mother's death i was watching the news and I saw one specific family in New York when, when everything was blowing up there that lost six family members, six, six, not, not one, not two, six within a month. And um, they were talking about their experience. And, and then here I was um, talking to my mother with her uh, oxygen mask on in the hospital while the nurse was holding an iPad in front of her so she could see me and my brother and my sister on a Thursday afternoon, the fifth day after she contracted coronavirus. And we're telling her how much we loved her. And then I called my children and got them to join. And my brother and sister called their children to join uh, because we knew that this may be the last time we talked to my mother. And it turned out that that Thursday was the last I love you that I can give to my mother because she died eight hours later. And my children said goodbye to their grandmother, not in the goodbye grandma, but we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. My sister, my brother and I um, said goodbye. And then two days later, uh, we did a virtual funeral for my mother. Um, And um, so I had to say, I love you and goodbye to my mother by mobile phone. Wow. I had to do a virtual funeral uh, where my nephew, and my sister were in Montreal. I couldn't even fly to my mother's funeral. And six uh, people that we didn't know that were wearing um, garments to protect themselves, you know, were carrying my mother's casket instead of me and my brother, uh, you know, um, and put my mother's casket into the ground while I was watching her funeral off of a mobile phone. And then, you know, the, the, the prayer ceremonies that we do in our culture afterwards was all done by you know zoom and uh it's like it's surreal right to 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 have this grief and not be able to unbelievable things normally and and fortunately hug and cry and be there for one another i mean you know so we couldn't you know my brother lives here my sister lives in montreal so the the point you know that you mentioned that that i want to expand upon is yeah being in the like watching these families on tv like i felt like you got to be kidding me that's horrific and then it was me going through it and so my level of 
uh, empathy and compassion, not wanting the people that I see um, being, you know, um, hard-headed in their beliefs, thinking yeah. it won't happen to me, and if it does, uh, so be it. They're not able to fully emotionalize what that really means to them mm. and their siblings and their and their spouses and the significant others to watch somebody drown, you know, in this disease, in this virus, and what it does mm. to their lungs, it, it is just mind and life altering when they can't breathe and they're drowning in, in the inability basically to get enough oxygen into their lungs and it's like choking and drowning at the same time. Wow. Um, so the people that are out there that said, I don't give a fuck about myself. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's your life. Do that mm -hmm. for you. But what about your children? What about your spouse? What about your friends? What about your neighbors? What about, you know, the, the people that are in your environment? Do you not care about them or, or mm -hmm. you do care about them, but you just can't understand the depth of the pain that um, you may be inflicting unknowingly to mm. people. So uh, I've just been in a lot of contemplation. And, um, and you know, the one thing I know um, is, um, and I learned this from, you know, being in the personal development industry for many years now, in yeah. that is um, um, to get out of the convincing business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cold. Right? And, um, yeah. You know, I don't mind talking about it uh, and sharing my experience yeah. and my thoughts, but uh, I'm not going to say, you should do this. No, yeah, mm -hmm. here's the information. You do, you're, you're, you're an adult. You can make decisions and argue for or against it. And I have friends on both sides of the aisle, very smart people as well. And I go, great. Here's my experience. Um, and, and I hope that you don't have to go through this and that you don't somehow uh, unintentionally um, cause somebody else to uh, that is close to you. Well said. Very well said. These are incredibly unpredictable and uncertain times, as you said. Do you personally remember anything like this where you felt this level of um, unknown around or, or not even it, the future is always unknown but instability in the present moment where within the hour the next day something could it, it, you know apocalyptic level change you know that i feel we're experiencing which is a way of just saying it's almost like the world is revealing itself to us mm -hmm. um do you remember a time like this not in, not you know not in my lifetime, but I imagine if you've lived through you know World War One or World War Two, mm -hmm. uh, that would have probably been you know the last real threat to humanity mm -hmm. your life. Or if you lived through Chernobyl, right, and you were in that specific part of the world, um, you know, right now uh, we are biologically wired through you know millions of years of evolution to um, enter a hyper state of uh, uh, awareness when there's real threat at and this feels like a very real threat so for it, a lot it, of people it, that heightened level of fear and anxiety is it, it is a real feels uncontrollable there's an unseen invisible 
virus that's a you know a predator. The yes. predator you can, you know could be on your countertop. It could be you know the grocery store clerk. It could be you know the gas station that you walk into. It could be a gro- it could be anything. Um, it could be you know like in my case, my mother in law who's eighty who you know who went you know went to her. She's a flamenco instructor and she owns a studio. Wow. With a studio just to get the mail, and she comes back and she could get it or I can I can get yeah. it. So you've got this real predator. Um, you know, at bay. And not only is this real predator there, this real predator can kill you. So the threat is actually real. And yes. so our brain is on high, high, high alert for who, what, when, how, um, you know, this may affect me. And then you couple that with uh, uncertainty about the economy, uncertainty about the value of your real estate, uncertainty about your emotional well-being, uncertainty about your mental well-being, uncertainty about your job, uncertainty about uh, businesses, uncertainty, 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 leaves us in a very vulnerable state for a brain that loves predictability and certainty. So it is challenging the very best of us uh, at a conscious and at an unconscious level. Um, and unless we have the mental and emotional skills to uh, observe, uh, surrender, allow, accept, and then do what we can, uh, most people will be um, very, very, very challenged right now. And yeah. as, as I'm seeing with a lot of my clients around the world, unless you know they have the ability to have uh, introspection and introspection um, and frame things in a way that doesn't disempower them. Um, they're feeling extremely vulnerable right now. And whether they say it or they don't, mm-hmm. or whether they express it or suppress it, mm. um, it creates this experience that we have never had before in our lifetime, this combination you know, I've talked to a whole bunch of my friends, for example, who are investors like I am in real estate in the stock market. It's let's say you've gotten really good at solving a uh, six by six Rubik's Cube. All of a sudden, we've got six more layers that have just been added to it. And every time we move the top layer, we don't know what happens to the bottom and middle and side. So we're trying to figure this new, you know, 12 by 12 Rubik's Cube right now, all of these yeah. new dimensions. And um, yeah. it will be solved. Um, you know, there's one of my hierarchy of beliefs is that we live in a highly intelligent, omnipotent, uh, self-aware universe. And mm. the universal scale, right, is millions of years uh, versus, you know, 100 days or 300 days or, or 1,000 days. Mm-hmm. And so what I don't know, um, but I'm fully confident that the universal intelligence does is everything is unfolding exactly as it should. It may not be to my taste. I may not understand it. I may not like it. It may be painful. It may be fucking awful. And everything is unfolding as it should. Is there an underlying assumption that humanity, this species though, is evolving in the right direction as it should? Because some another another person might argue that yes it it is unfolding just as it should and this is essentially 
a path toward the end of civilization. This is conflict. This is disease. This is uh, uh, these are real economic collapse and things like that. So I'm curious: is there a an optimism about the direction of our evolution as well within that belief system of yours? Well, it just depends on your belief system, right? So right. if you believe that um, this is somehow uh, you know, God's unraveling of the world, and this is the end of uh, humanity and life as we know it on earth, okay, then it is. Mm -hmm. And if you believe that this is just the evolution you know, of, our, of our species and, and wiping out the sickest among us uh, so that we evolve to a healthier species, Okay, um, that's your belief, and that that's the way you're going to see and feel and experience the world. You know, our beliefs will drive our experience, mm. and so um, I'm okay with either one. And, and the reason for that is I'm just in a state of surrender and acceptance to a greater power that I still don't fully understand. And so, wow. all I can do is go. It could be that. It could be that. You know, the, the, the name wow, of reality is, you know, there, we, we all think that um, life is this continuum, right? And it's almost like it's a movie. But what most people don't realize is movies are just little slices of moments that are stitched together. You know, um, nanosecond by nanosecond, there is mm. uncertainty, right? And there's... Um, uh, then, then there's us in the middle, you know, creating our own reality by what it is that we choose to focus on. So mm. we choose on the negative and the worst possible outcome. And then we magnify that reality because that possibility exists. Or then we can choose on the best possible outcome. And then that reality unfolds in front of us. Mm. In the on a universal scale, we know that there is a, a duality, a law of polarity. Yes. Right? You can't have an up without a down. You can't have sickness without health. You can't have an inside yeah. without an outside. You can't have you know, electrons without protons. You can't, it, it just doesn't exist in the universe that we live in at the quantum scale. But we're so used to living you know, life at the physical level mm -hmm. um, that we're being very myopic in our awareness that's beyond our physical five senses of hear, see, smell, taste, and touch, and maybe you know intuition if you want to add a, a sixth <laughs> sense. Um, mm -hmm. but I choose to um, observe a lot and um, mm. reflect on on the greater reality than my own physical experience. And in my uh, you know in my own life, I've experienced a variety of states of consciousness uh, mm -hmm. through deep meditations. Uh, through use of medicines um, uh, and experiences that have given me, for me, just for me, a different perspective on reality. And uh, mm. so I, I see the world differently than most people. And uh, I invite anybody to just, have, let's have the dialogue of the nature right. of reality. Let's have the dialogue of what is consciousness? Let's have the dialogue on, you know, why we only see a little bit of the light spectrum and sound spectrum. And, uh, you know, you know, we only see a fraction of what is really here. And so the question is, can we learn? Can we, can we explore to discover more? 
And if you think about it, we have telescopes to look out into the cosmos. We have microscopes to look deep into the nucleus of an atom. Mm -hmm. And uh, why not expand our own awareness around what's, what's really going on? You know, am I willing to let go of my beliefs long enough to um, see your beliefs, to understand how you believe what you believe, why you believe what you believe? Uh, and I often say to my dear friend, show me how you feel that. Don't tell me. Show me. Show me so that I can see it through your kaleidoscope. You know, hmm. so let me expand my awareness. Wow, that's that's beautiful. It is. It's so easy to get lost in arguments of logic uh, <laughs> that are just filled with cognitive biases. Yeah. So it's it's just show me is such a better way of representing. I'd like to experience. Show me what you I, feel. <laughs> if I and I do, and I believe that you know. Um, let me, let me give you an analogy is if we uh, if we went down to the to the beach to the ocean down the street and we mm -hmm. took a bucket of the ocean water and we took it let's say 5000 miles inland when there's no ocean if i was to analyze what was in the bucket of ocean water i'd analyze you know obviously the elements of what's in the ocean and that would be the exact same elements as if i was at the ocean Right. So if I took a sample of the ocean, it would be the exact same elements of what's in the ocean. So my belief is that whatever it is that created you and me and the plants and the trees and the animals and the oceans and the stars and the moon and the planets and, and everything in our universe and the multiverse, if there are some, is within me, which means it's also within you. And since my brain is you know, a trillion dollar genius biocomputer, and so is yours, and your experiences and interpretation and beliefs and values and, 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 and everything that you are makes up everything that I am. Mm. When I can add more of you into me and me into you, I realize mm. we are really just one with a different view and a different experience. So I want to, I seek to understand more, to, yes. to, to see and experience the world like you do so that I can understand me better and I can understand you better. And the more I do that, the more I know uh, we are, we are one with a, you know, 7.8 billion different you know mm -hmm. um experiences and fractals of information that are all correct yeah. that are all yeah. correct. And it's not like they're wrong if you have a belief it's not a wrong belief mm -hmm. it's a belief that you've developed somehow and and so i respect that belief i may not agree with it i may not want to adopt it um, but i want to see it i want to know it i want to feel it and understand it and i want to do it in a way uh, as much as I can, this is the hard part, without judgment, right? <laughs> uh, without blame, without shame or guilt or justification. And that's the practice. That's the practice, right? If yeah. You, you know, John, I had this thing at a young age for some reason <clears throat> that I still can't quite put words to where I sort of got it that 
because of the zip code I was born in, because of the parents I had, because of the school that I went to, because of the uh, emotions that I developed, because of the way my personality was shaped, because of the food that I ate, and the list continues, I developed a set of beliefs, a personality, and an attitude. Correct. A disposition toward feeling a certain way about any given topic. And for some reason, I got it that if all I did was become somebody else, if I literally transported my soul into your body and your experiences, I would think and behave exactly as you do. And so in other words, I am you. Mm -hmm. That's right. And (laughs) I've often wondered how to, well, you just explained it in in an incredibly profound way, but I've often wondered how to share the importance of that and make it practical to help people understand that everything you're fighting for means nothing. It's just, it's just what is natural to you based on the experiences you have and the research that you've done and the place that you were born and so on and so on and so on. And we defend and we go and we fight so much for these individual beliefs, which, which is essentially nonsense because if there was a belief around, you know, why, what's going on and why are we here? You know, it makes sense the way you describe, if the universe really wanted to have an experience and understand itself, it would sort of need to, A, forget itself, and B, divide itself into an almost infinite number of sentient conscious experiences. Because the only way to experience infinity is to become that and to divide yourself into all these individual perspective. It's like little fractals, like you said, like little, each set of eyes is a way for this universe to experience itself. And so actually what I feel when we challenge one another is that we're actually just, yes, challenging ourselves, but we're actually challenging this beautiful experience that this other person has of reality that is just as okay as ours. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is um, my wife and I both love art and um, and we've collected art for uh, many, many years. And um, many times I'll, uh, I'll walk by a piece of art and I'll look at the whole picture. And obviously, it, you know, maybe there's one piece I'm thinking of right now. It's a, it's a street scene in Paris mm. uh, with um, a couple of people walking on the street in Paris. And you could tell it's just a, um, a cold day. Uh, in Paris, uh, there's a, a man wearing a scarf. There's other people wearing scarves and actually a, a hat like the one you're wearing right now that I'm <laughs> I love these. I collect them now. And, um, maybe that's what triggered my, this painting. Yeah. There's, uh, there's some dark colors and, and like a fall, a gloomy day with a little bit of sunshine just in, in mm. the background. Um, and Yummy. Cars and some lights. And um, I stood there several months ago and I go, um, which color on this painting is not perfect? Because there's dark colors, there's a few bright colors, there's, there's a, there was a lot of different colors in this painting. And my answer was, every color is needed for this painting to be as perfect as it is. Mm. 
right? So which color of you is not right? Which color of your perspective is not right? Which color, you know, of your idea, intention, beliefs, values, experience is not perfect? And the answer is it's all perfect. Mm. Now, my job is to see the totality of the perfection and not focus on what may be a color I don't like. Or right. And and that, right. Um, that just takes awareness and that takes a little bit of practice to remind ourselves that we're, we're all a perfect expression of that which created us and sustains our life. Hmm. And, and that you just have to keep coming back to that. And, and I, and I, and I think because we all are the same and different, you know, hmm. I may like, you know, a certain type of food. Uh, you may not. That's perfect. Uh, you may like a certain color. I may not. That's perfect. Um, but I think there's there's another element to this, and that is mm. we all feel at times, I hope, this um, time when we all come together. You know, mm. and maybe it starts off with you loving another human being and you feel this love, this oneness with whether it's your children, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your wife, your husband, your best friend, a dog, a cat, a bird. Uh, you just feel this infinite connection to a plant, a flower, a rose, a, an orchid, something. And you just feel this perfection for just this moment. Mm. That is something that we all want to protect, that sanctity of that oneness with that thing or universe you look up at the stars or the mm -hmm. planet and you just go oh wow like wow when i think about how do i protect that love that kindness the compassion that respect that love for another human being it's because of that wow and that feeling of mm. oneness versus the feeling of separateness and so when I ask people to respect that oneness and have your own freedoms, my question is, how do we do that together? Like, I want to respect everything that you're about and right. freedoms without violating your, um, your freedoms and space and choices and decisions. And when you do that for me also, now we have union, right? Now we have oneness. Now we have, I love you enough to respect you and you love me enough to respect me because I love me and you love you. Mm. And now there's wholeness and oneness. And if we do that between two people and four and eight and 16, um, then everybody has what they want is mm. not only do they feel loved, but they give love, which gives them purpose, which gives them meaning, which gives them everything they're looking for anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, um, you know, there's time that we need to reflect and time that we need to, to ask some deeper questions. And, um, and, and here's, I mean, here's the challenge, you know, uh, we, we have different levels of uh, awareness. We have different, levels of states of consciousness we have different levels of uh, insecurity and security we have different levels yeah. of um you know of uh, power that we want or not want we have different levels of everything it's just 
it's a very, very complex, complex game. And, um, but there's also a very, very, very simple solution. And uh, it goes back to um, love. It really goes back to this one constant thing. Uh, love, love for oneself, love for life, like real experience, life for life, um, which leads to love for everyone and everything. That's the killer app. <laughs> right? That's the killer app. Can it be that easy? Yeah. Mm. You know, Albert Einstein took a very complex equation, right? Energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Right? It's very, very complex. And they just said E equals MC squared. Um, and the killer app is love. It's just love. Um, and um, so, uh, and mm. because, it's, because it's so easy, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and do you believe that it, it ultimately comes down to each individual expressing it in the way that they would like to experience it? And that two, that one becoming two and four and eight and 16? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's yeah. what I think, listen, um, uh, some of the best ways that we learn is through contrast frames. Right. Right. So, you know, you mentioned earlier when your mother got cancer, you all of a sudden became hyper aware of her health, your health, her life. Uh, Will she live? Will she die? Oh, my God. Like, this is real. Yeah. So uh, experience is the best teacher. Mm -hmm. Experience is the best teacher. Um, And uh, unfortunately, uh, lesson uh, the universe gives us the test first and then the lesson. (laughs) <laughs> hmm. <laughs> right so here's the yeah here, here yeah go go here. through the way i've been looking at it is like well here you go i'm gonna let's let's go through hell together and see if this is where you'd like to to stay in the sense that uh when we see a certain level of division and ideology and conflict and the opposite of what you just described People get to experience that and ask themselves if this is the way they'd like things to be because we're sitting in this opportunity where there's exponential change happening. I mean, things are changing so – we already lived in the 21st century where everything was happening really fucking fast. Yeah. And now we're in a situation where, honestly, it just feels like an entire system can either collapse or rebuild itself in a different fashion overnight and that can be really exciting or it can be really scary and so us all having that awareness of what's going on is is really important but i think the thing that i'm really the major thing that i'm really pulling away from everything you're saying is just this incredible level of surrender mm-hmm. everything you're, you're you're surrendering the the state of being you're surrendering to the events in your environment you're even surrendering to what another person might say or believe did this develop more recently or would you say you've always kind of maintained this approach um 40 years of evolution right and um there's two things that you you perked in, in into my uh, consciousness as you were talking um uh one is imagine you know some of the biggest waves in the world right uh, there are people who go out there and 
die because they try to surf these waves. And there's people who have the ride of their lives because they learn how to surf these waves. Um, the wave that we're experiencing right now is a, is a tsunami, right? Mm-hmm. And um, fighting it is impossible, right? And so a lot of what I've been teaching my clients and students all over the world right now is a skill that is unsurpassed. And um, if you see my hat that I'm wearing right now, yeah. I got the Galapagos on and says evolve or become extinct. And becoming a world-class adaptationist Mm. is what we're being given the opportunity to become right now, Mm. right? So adapt or die. When I was in the Galapagos, we um, retraced some of uh, Darwin's trails on the Beagle. I was reading his autobiography. Uh, We were on a 110-foot catamaran Uh, guide going through island to island and retracing some of um, his journey. And what you see is over millions of years of evolution, right? You get a chance to see a totally different um, uh, evolutionary process from, you know, volcanoes to to animals that are not afraid of humans that are not, it it was just mind boggling. Mm -hmm. And as a species right here on earth, um, this is a um, an evolution for us mentally, emotionally, physically, in every way possible, mm-hmm. because there's so many demands being put on our systems right now, our belief systems, our biological systems, our mental and emotional and um, uh, systems that um, nature is survival of the fittest. I want to just remind everybody mm-hmm. of this very, very, very basic fact of life. It's not pretty, but it's the truth, right? Survival of the fittest, uh, the mentally fittest, the emotionally fittest, the financially fittest, mm-hmm. the psychologically fittest, the physically fittest, and nature is evolve. Or die, adapt or die. Nature doesn't think twice about inflicting capital punishment. Right. Right. And so we can sit here on our high horses, you know, in chairs thinking I'm the shit. Mm-hmm. Nature doesn't give a fuck if you think you're the shit and you're bullied. There's no injustice or. <laughs> and so, so let's humble ourselves enough for just a moment to be aware. Mm-hmm. of what nature may be saying and doing. And the mm-hmm. question is, what can I do to ride this monster wave so that I adapt and survive and become more, feel more, have more, give more, love more? Um, and this is, you know, um, nature's wake-up call, possibly. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Um, I happen to believe that at the higher level of thinking, that Mm -hmm. is what's happening, because I don't believe that there are any accidents in this universe. Same. Same. That's what I believe, and that's the operating system that I, you know, that I live with when I, you know, sit and look up at the stars, and I think to myself, okay, I live in this 
you know, galaxy called the Milky Way galaxy with billions of stars. Impossible. And then there's billions of galaxies, and there's this little rock, you know, three rocks from the sun called Earth that's hurling at 25,000 miles an hour, spinning on its axis with the moon in tow around this star called the sun. And this whole Milky Way galaxy is moving at a million and a half miles per hour, per hour from one planet in the universe to another. I go, you really think that's not perfection hmm. like you really can can think that's not perfect and we're not being thrown off of this in a fucking nanosecond really mm-hmm. uh, okay, okay um if that's not perfect to you um and if it, you know if we can you know figure out how to develop a 350 foot rocket ship and figure out the elements of this planet so that we can uh, put fuel into this rocket ship and send men or women into space and then time the landing within a fraction of a second. Uh, the laws of physics are not perfect, really. Um, okay, um, then um, live your life that way. But I happen to believe in that perfection. You want to call it God's creation? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I accept that. You, you can call it whatever you want. I don't care what you call it, um, but the organizing intelligence not only is that, it's you. Mm. It's me. It's all of us and everything and everyone in perfect order and harmony with a little bit of randomness to spice things up. <laughs> now that sounds a little bit more like my view of reality with much more that I don't know than I pretend to know. Mm. So I'm in a consistent state of curiosity and, and reflection and observation and learning and, and questioning. Um, you know, and that's what I like to wow. think. Wow. When you say, it's perfect when you say perfection and you really scale out do you say that in the sense that if you were god you can't think of a more beautiful way to create existence is that kind of what you're alluding to yes and you know if we were just a little bit closer or a little bit further than the sun we wouldn't Mm. be Mm. Okay, if we had a little bit more or a little bit less oxygen in the air, we just wouldn't be. Right. So the perfection Mm -hmm. I'm talking about is for everything to be as it is, there has to be the perfection. Right. And, you know, when when we are um, uh, certain groups of people are hypersensitive to our ozone layer and, you know, climate um, challenges that we're having and icebergs melting and changing the balances that uh, help in this perfection. um, There's reasons for that, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that there are certain checks and balances. Um, You know, right now, you know, a few weeks ago, I was... uh, 
watching a, a TV show and they were showing uh, from China, they were showing Mount Everest or from India, right. excuse me, from India. I think it was from mm-hmm. Bombay or from one of the major cities. They were showing Mount Everest and they hadn't seen it in years. But because, Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this in, is another new one. I love in, these in, little In the canals of Venice, the dolphins have come back to play in the canals. Uh, the smog in Shanghai has lifted. Um, there, there's, there's so many things that have happened at the nature, at nature's scale of nature being able to breathe again. We, you know, we've had four or five months of not fishing the hell out of our oceans. Mm. We have, you know, um, there, there's certain things beyond, you know, uh, our normal day-to-day awareness that's been happening at the universal scale mm-hmm. that wh- what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? I mean, again, I'm in the question of, you know, yeah. this mother, mother nature saying, I need some time to breathe again, right? And then we have, you know, uh, Floyd, you know, I can't breathe. Well, what if that's like a massive fucking signal Ironic. for the planet can't fucking breathe, mm-hmm. you know, with what we're doing to it? Um, I don't know. Again, like I said, I'm in the question. Is, is, yeah. is that, um, my intuition, okay, my higher faculty says, yes, you know, stop yeah, polluting too. our oceans, stop killing off our species, stop killing each other off, stop, pol- you know, stop killing this ozone layer that's causing more radiation. It's, it's actually been, been getting better in the last four or five months. Um, mm-hmm. Why aren't we listening? Like, why aren't we listening at the level that we – you know, could be listening to all of this. Um, you know, we have, you know, our brain, we have our gut, the gut microbe and the intelligence in that part of us, our gut can guide us. Does this not feel right to you to take mm. better care of yourself, to take better care of the planet, to take better care of each other? Um, hmm, it does to me. I mean, that's what I'm getting from all of this. It's a wake up. Wake up and take better care of this. Yeah, it's a little smack on the side of the head. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, you know, what I've discovered for myself is, you know, nature will give us lessons or tests. If we don't pass the test, mm. we get a bigger, greater lesson. So, you know, you get a little tap on the shoulder. You get a little slap on the face. You get a little, you know, two by four across the head. And if you still don't pay attention, um, okay, the lessons get a little bit harder and a little bit tougher. And it does come back to adapt or, or die. Yeah, as well. Adapt, adjust, or die. Yeah. John, one of the things I'm really curious about, um, because I know you've spent a lot of time um, in this arena of uh, financial fitness mm-hmm. and financial freedom. And obviously, you've been extremely successful and you've uh, created a life for yourself that is just a beautiful reality. I mean, you live by the ocean now. Um, and I know a lot of people, there's there's different levels of this, right? Some people are on the, you know, I just need to survive right now. For for those that are really, you know, let's just say someone more like where I'm at. I am someone who wants a certain level of financial freedom in that I know that, cre- that, that requires 
a certain level of discipline. And I know that there are many different vehicles and many different buckets that people can use, whether that be index funds in the stock market, whether that be apartment complexes and passive real estate. I mean, there's just so many different opportunities. So I'm curious, what has been your uh, main vehicle and path? Like what does your overall portfolio look like? And what adjustments have you made? Like, are you moving into cash? Are you making any adjustments? Are you going, are you going actually harder or, you know, and, and, or, and, or waiting for a window? I'm curious what some of those adjustments are. Sure. Um, so let me, let me start you off with the first part of what you said. Mm-hmm. And, and that is around, um, you know, the, the inner game. Let's, let's talk about the inner game of money and wealth first. Then we can talk about the strategical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you and anybody who's listening agree that um, on planet Earth, let's just keep it to planet Earth right now, there's more than enough money. There's, you know, incredible wealth, whether it's in gold, money, Bitcoin, buildings, commodities, uh, business valuations, products. Uh, there's there's trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So would it be safe to create a group assumption right now, everybody listening, that there is more than enough money out there? Absolutely. Right. So if there's more than enough money out there, then the question is, why don't you have more of it? I'm not talking about you, but as a person listening, why don't I have more of it? Mm-hmm. And in all of the research that I um, have done and um, participate with my students, is there's, there's only a few things that prevent you from actually having more of it. So let's talk about number one. Uh, the number one well, is not in order, but number one is if I have limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. then the limiting beliefs are going to prevent me from having more of it. So I may have limiting beliefs like, uh, well, I'm not smart enough to have more. Uh, I'm not worthy enough to have more. Um, I don't have the knowledge or the skills to have more. Um, you know, there's not enough for everybody. Uh, there's just enough for everybody. Right. So I can have some limiting beliefs and those limiting beliefs are going to create my uh, experience, my perspectives and will drive my behaviors. Mm-hmm. Is that something we can agree on? Yeah, I'm not smart enough. I you know, don't have the right mentors. Everybody has a certain level right. of limiting beliefs. Limiting belief. One, two, um, let's say uh, somebody is a millionaire already or a multimillionaire. And let's say. Mm-hmm. He loses all of his money right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which then, is a real fear. Yeah, it's a real fear. But let's say let's say somebody who's uh, who's earned their millions. And I'm gonna right. I'm gonna make sure we talk about somebody who's earned it. They mm-hmm. they have learned the skills, the knowledge, the strategies, the tactics. Let's say they lose their money. Uh, let's say they're 40 years old. They have plenty of time. Um, what do you think the chances are that they'll make millions again? Likely. Likely. And let's say we take somebody who wins the lottery, who never, you know, earned millions or became a millionaire. Um, there's an 87% chance that they will lose all that money within three years. How come? Like, I mean, like, how come? Um, and the answer is because of their self-image. 
So a millionaire's self-image says, this is how I see myself. Therefore, I will get back to that. And they do everything possible to get back to that. Somebody who earns or wins the money doesn't have the self-image of a millionaire. And our brain will make sure that your outside world of results matches your internal self-image. And mm. it's like a thermostat. So you get rid of the money until you've reached the calibration of your self-image. Mm. Now we have limiting beliefs and now we have self-image. Um, number three is going to be your money story. Right. So the whole story and relationship you have around money, around how much you're worth, how much you can make, um, uh, how much you can afford, your whole money story determines not only what you earn, but how you manage your money, how you invest your money, how you protect your money. That is a money story that we have that we've learned that drives our behaviors and, and, uh, and everything else. And then we have our habits. Mm hmm. Right. So people who make and manage and invest have made it a habit of making, managing, investing wisely. Mm -hmm. And people who um, don't have the right habits, you know, keep repeating how they earn money, how they manage or don't manage money and how they invest and protect their wealth. And so before I even share what to do, you've got to get the inner game right first. Yeah. Otherwise, you just start over from scratch over and over again. Sabotage. Now, mm -hmm. when we work on the inner game and the outer game. Okay. So now let's talk about the outer game. So there are uh, five pillars to the outer game. So pillar number one is earning. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we've already established that there's more than enough money out there. Do you have the skill? To earn ten thousand a year, a hundred thousand a year, a million a year, ten million a year, a hundred million a year, or a billion a year—that's a skill. Mm -hmm. um, then, do you have the skill of managing, you know, ten thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, ten million dollars, a billion dollars? That's a skill. Mm -hmm. Do you have the skill of investing in the stock market? And let's say you're an investor. Okay, there's actually, when we talk about the word of investing, there's three categories people will fit into. There's investors who learn how to invest, whether it's in commodities, in a business, in the stock market, in real estate, doesn't matter. There's a skill that you learn. You can learn the skill at the kindergarten level, high school level, grade school level, university, or the pro level. Every level requires a deeper and wider understanding. <clears throat> So if you're investing, are you really an investor or are you a speculator or a gambler? Which one are you? Which one are you? There's three categories. Which one are you? Investors are very, very skilled. Mm. Speculators are a combination of gambling a little bit and investing because they have some information and they have hunches that they're willing to bet on. Gamblers are the ones who go to Las Vegas and make Las Vegas, you know, happen. You know, they mm -hmm. hope and pray that luck, okay, that they're at the right place at the right time and they, you know, they feel lucky. And they're the ones that make all of the speculators and investors rich. Mm. So if you want to make money, 
um, then you have to upgrade your knowledge and skills so that over time you can consistently and predictably win. Now, investors lose money, but they also know how to protect the downside. They know how to rebound. They know how to allocate certain percentages of their assets so that if they lose a percentage of it, they have more firing power to get back in the game, okay, because they understand that all patterns repeat themselves, right? So we have, you know, in the market, bear market, bull market, seven years, 11 years, um, which leads us to today. Okay, so now I'll answer your other question. Now that we have some framework for how I see the world of money and investing and protecting, uh, and then there's debt getting out or using it as leverage. So now we have this 11-year bubble or 11-year cycle. We have never seen an 11-year cycle like this. Mm -hmm. Go in. You know, 44 stock million. market's been very nice to us. Well, the stock market's been unbelievable. You know, from 2008, 2009, when I took a beating of biblical proportions, um, uh, it, um, you know, it recovered beautifully. And um, most of us made our money back and then some. But it took, yeah. it took freaking, you know, 10, 11 years yeah. to recover. Um, and then we've got these freaking highs and lows and valuations beyond control. We've got um, you know, governments lifting up economies, and um, a lot of investors are out of the market right now, including me. I have been in cash for over a year just waiting, watching, and seeing because I don't know. Um, and so I am looking as in you're no longer making deposits or your portfolio has shifted. My portfolio has shifted into very, very, very low risk uh, investments and mm -hmm. mostly cash. Just wealth preservation. Just right point. now. Right now I'm in don't fuck it up mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want to take the next 10 years. To recover. to recover, it's taken me 10 years to recover and get ahead again of that game. You know, I'm looking for making sure I've got enough capital to live the lifestyle that I live uh, at least until 100 for myself, my wife, and my family. Um, and, um, um, and the charities that we support. Um, mm -hmm. But right now, you know, um, I, I'm talking to my friends who are deep in real estate, whether it's commercial, industrial, or residential. Mm -hmm. And almost all of them, without exception, are waiting. Right now, they are just yeah. sitting and waiting. They are, in many cases, raising money because they know what's going to come down the pipe. They yeah. know the top-down pressure. You know, mortgage companies have given people uh, the opportunity not to pay their mortgages. Um, rent as well. Rent, rent, same thing. mortgages. Uh, landlords can't kick out tenants. Right. Um, um, and then unemployment's about to run out. So unemployment's about to run out. Even if they, even if they delay it again and give you more, yeah, they're just they're just kicking the the on the street. Landlords have allowed businesses not to pay them. The businesses 
you know, going into the coronavirus, the average business, small business owner, the average had 16 days worth of cash available, 16 days worth of cash available. Um, And so we haven't seen the full effect of what's happened because we've put a Band-Aid on and kicked the can down the road. So uh, all of that is for me to say I'm uncertain, I'm not confident, and I'm uncertain, so I'm just waiting. I'm just using self-discipline and what I call is self-regulation. I'm Mm -hmm. regulating my emotions. I'm regulating what I'm anticipating. I'm regulating making decisions that are based on emotions and all of my investment are based in logic. And right now Mm -hmm. it's extremely illogical what's happening out there. Right. It doesn't add up. Yeah. It just doesn't add up. So I don't know the rules of the game right now. Mm. Since I don't know the rules of this new game. You can't be an informed investor. Correct. And then then I'm either speculating. Speculating. Right. I'm not a a speculator anymore. I used to be. Yeah. And again, I don't mind. You know, once I see a pattern and a trend that actually lasts more than a day or two or a week or two then I'll be more comfortable, right? But when there's uncertainty, you know, at the international monetary fund level, mm-hmm. in what's happening in different countries, what's happening in businesses, what's happening with layoffs, what's happening in travel and restaurant. And, 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 and in, I mean, when so much uncertainty is happening and the stock market goes up by 700 one day, goes down by 1,500 the next day, goes up by 800 the next day, has a streak for five days, and then has a down, it's like, okay, um, it's too unpredictable. It's too random, and I don't invest in randomness. I want to invest in predictability, and I can't predict right now, so I'm just watching. Like I'm watching, and I don't have a fear of missing out. I don't, mm-hmm. have, I don't allow FOMO to control my thinking because that's an emotion. And so I don't invest emotionally. I invest logically. That's the nature of an investor. Gamblers invest emotionally. Speculators, a little bit of both, as I mentioned before. Right. So, uh, first, determine who you are. Uh, which one are you? Are you an investor, a speculator, or a gambler? Uh, then what are your philosophies? And then act accordingly. Amazing. Yeah. I, to me, speculation is like throwing a percent or two in, in Bitcoin and seeing what happens there. And anything outside of that just seems illogical. Uh, but it, that's that's been something that I thought was very interesting to do quite a while back and, and yeah. a little bit more now just because it's a, a nice little speculation. But outside of that, nothing makes sense. Yeah. And listen, my, both of my sons at 23 and 25, um, uh, they have their own investment portfolio that I, I help mm-hmm. them with. And they've been dabbling a little bit here and a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, you know, so they're, they're both in cash right now because mm-hmm. they've made some money, they lost some money, made some money, lost some money, made some money, lost some money in the last four or five months. They're like, Dad, yeah. this is fucking crazy. I said, yes, sweetheart, that's mm-hmm. why I tell you. You're, you know, I don't mind you doing a little speculating, but don't gamble because then you're going to lose because you're going to mm-hmm. find the market. Um, and, um, you know, what's interesting is when they were younger, for any of you that are listening that have uh, children, when they were younger, um, I started buying, um, 
stocks for them in companies that they actually liked. That's you know, awesome. Whether it was Disney because they liked Disneyland uh, or any of the gaming companies because they liked games. Yeah. I them to feel what it was like to own a piece of something that they really liked. And so they got an interest in investing when they were young. Best gift. We were able to look at, you know, what what makes this company good or bad type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Now, you know, they're they're looking at earnings um, uh, um, to profits ratios. They're looking at things differently mm -hmm. uh, than they did before. But they're also having some fun where they're speculating. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, they're saying, well, based on what I read and what I think and what I researched, uh, I think this is a good buy now. And uh, so, great. So, try it. Go ex experience with a little bit of money. Oh, uh, so yeah. A little bit of money. You know, take $500, $1,000, $2,000 and, and, and play with it. And um, it's been really fun to watch. Now, the reason I say this is they're in their 20s, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm approaching 60. And, um, and, and so, in the best shape of your life, by the way, man, uh, you're absolutely ripped. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm at a stage right now where I don't need to gamble or speculate. Like, right. I don't need, I don't need the emotional high or low of how well is my portfolio do that I make an extra 2% or 5% or 25%. Just, I don't need it. Yeah. Um, I don't want it and I don't need it. So I don't have to be aggressive. Um, you know, I've been plenty aggressive in, in my mm -hmm. life. Uh, and, and because of it, you know, I, I did well and then I didn't, you know, and so. so did you have a very specific uh, kind of more passive strategy before where it was more on the automated side, a little more simple, or was it very active and you were looking actively for investments? Um, when I was probably in my 20s, 30s, 40s, extremely active, um, and in mid forties to, you know, almost 60, 59, um, more passive, more, you know, more strategic. And if I can get my money to, um, you know, to produce 15% return on investment year over year, I'm freaking happy with slow yeah. and slow wins the race right now. And so I've got a, a mixture of uh, real estate, stock, private investments, uh, mortgages, uh, cash, commodities. I've got just a diversified portfolio now that um, I just look, if I, if I can get 15%, uh, that's what I look for. And some of my investments do better. Some of my investments don't do well, uh, but we've been averaging better than that um, the last number of years. And so I'm, I'm happy. Fantastic. Fantastic. John, I could talk to you forever, but I want to be conscious of, I know you have something um, do. to do here. You're a busy man. You're changing the world. One conversation, one lesson at a time. Um, the, the last thing I just wanted to close out with is any final thoughts that you have that you want to share. And uh, one question I just had for you as well as, you know, if you could just snap your fingers and make a wish for yourself and for humanity, what, what would that be? Ah, it's, I mean, that is such a profound question, right? Um, it would probably have to be um, the, the gift. If I could give anybody just one gift, it would be the gift of awareness of what you really are. And I believe that you are God.
That's amazing. And some people think that's pretty arrogant. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> and I believe I am God, but in the context of not ego, mm-hmm. in the context of the share that I gave earlier of if you take a bucket of ocean water and you take it 5,000 miles or 500,000 miles away from the ocean, aren't you that? So if you believe in God and a higher power and an intelligence, uh, and I don't mean God in a religious sense, but I mean Kingly, God yeah. in the creation, the creator, the sustainer of everything and everyone, if that is what created us, regardless of how, doesn't that mean that that is who we are, or an expression of that? If I can give everybody that as a gift, uh, to recognize that in a humble and most respectful way, oh, my, my, that would be so beautiful. (laughs) It's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you so much, John. I have such a blast chatting with you. I hope to continue to just deepen this friendship, relationship. It means a lot to me. I've learned so much from you. I really appreciate you and everything that you're doing for the world, truly, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day and weekend. Thanks. You too, my friend. Appreciate you. There it is, my conversation with John Asaroff. What a beautiful ending to that conversation. Couldn't have (laughs) walked away from that feeling any better, any lighter, any more in awe of the fact that we exist at all in the first place. Speaking of existing, I would love for you to check out episode number 10 called The Miracle of Life. I think it'll really resonate after hearing this conversation with John. It's something that I actually wrote, and I wouldn't call it poetry, but it's something that I wrote that just really came to me one day, and I share it with you here on this podcast. I think it's only like eight minutes or something, seven minutes um, on the podcast. So go check out episode 10 if you enjoyed that part of the conversation. And if you enjoyed the conversation in general, please, please share it on social media, uh, with your coworkers, on your Slack channels, wherever and however you can send it over to people. This was a really profound conversation and one in which I really believe that the world needs to hear. We're talking about concepts that if we actually act on as a species, as a society, I truly believe that John's perspective is incredibly important to share. And it's something that we all need in our lives. A little more perspective, a little more love, (laughs) a little more humility, and a little bit more of that ability to see from the eyes, the, the lens, the vantage point of others. And this conversation may really enable people to do that to a higher degree. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, if this is your first time listening to the show or you're not yet subscribed, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and hit the follow button on Spotify. And uh, not a lot of people use Google, but you know you can subscribe there as well. And let me know what you thought of the show, of, of you think of the show and the episode itself by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps a lot. And I love reading people's reviews because it's great feedback. And don't forget, you can always shoot me a text directly as well to spark up a conversation. 
Take care of yourself. Stay safe out there. Hope you enjoyed this one. Until next time. Peace.